Welcome to the It's a Hustle podcast. I am your host, Joe Garrix, coming to you from the Fairfield Comedy Club with our guest today, Stephen Kellogg. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm very excited to have you here uh, because normally I'm talking to comics uh, and I hate comics. Uh, <laughs> as far as artists go, uh, they're the worst, the worst of the group. But here we have an actual musician, a singer, a guitarist, a songwriter. This that's is fu- great. It's, fu- it's funny to me to hear you say that comics are the worst because I kind of hold comics up the only underneath magicians. Like magicians to me seem like the people, if you can actually do magic tricks successfully, like you deserve your money the most and <laughs> comics are just below that and us musician folk are like, yeah, anybody can do oh, that. Oh, no, no. I mean, magicians are definitely the lowest. <laughs> magicians. Oh, yeah. No, unless they're a great... Well, and I wouldn't say magician. I would say uh, an illusionist. Illusionist. An illusionist. Right. Yes, a good illusionist, bar none. You know, like the Penn and Tellers of the world, uh, the Derek Delgadios, if you ever have a chance to see him. Amazing. Okay. Uh, but if you hang out with a lot of comics, it'll just start to wear on you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But maybe that happens for you as a musician. Do you hang out with other musicians wear on you? No, I enjoy, mus- I enjoy other musicians because it feels like you're part of... It feels like you've had to earn your stripes. You've had to get your T-Bird jacket. Like other musicians, whatever level you're doing it at, whether you're, you know, at the really high highest levels or you're just starting out, it's kind of like to be part of that club. You gotta, you, you have to, you give up certain things, and you have certain. It's kind of nice. It feels comforting to know yeah, there's, there's others in the world that share some that. sacrifices yeah. in a way. Yeah, but, you know what? I, you know, we get that too with comics. Like, I'll, you know, you do have this. You know, you've done these like crappy rooms. You've been there performing for eight people in a bar with nobody giving a shit or even listening. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, you know, that's not bad. I guess some comics I like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really I'm I'm digging my heels in here, Joe. I'm really I'm going to try to turn you around on your feelings about your peers. You know what? I I, yeah. And you have. I I feel good about (laughs) comics now, but that in no way takes away from my excitement about having you here. I've been I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. And uh, and full disclosure, uh, we actually, although I don't think we really knew each other, went to high school together. Did yeah? I know we both went to Fairfield Prep. We overlapped. Were we we there at the same? I was for a year. Yeah, you were a senior. I was a freshman. Uh, So I don't. I don't know if we ever met. Although I think you knew my dad probably. Well, uh, your your dad was my uh, religion teacher sophomore year. Yeah, and he was the strict. He was much stricter than the three priests I had the other years. Yeah, my dad had a reputation as uh, he's the kind of guy who uh, I know he would like if a student was like falling asleep on the desk. He would just keep teaching and slowly make his way over to the desk and then just kick it okay. from underneath. And yeah, so uh, yeah, I th- I think I remember that actually. Yeah, that you mentioned that it. didn't happen to you, I'm sure. I blocked it out, but now I remember <laughs> it. No, but you know, your dad was a smart guy, and and I think that's in, in, when you're teaching that stuff. Intelligence is such a you just got to have it if you're if you're just teaching without any basis of knowledge. It's so obnoxious, you yeah. know, to teach spiritual beliefs with no. I would, I, yeah, I would have trouble teaching it because I, <laughs> I don't yeah. buy any of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Well, I have, yeah, I'm with you in a lot of, a lot of respects. Yeah, but um, so, well, let me ask you, you know, at prep, like, what, what kind of stuff were you doing then that kind of led to this path? Because I, w- I'd say like there weren't, when I think of prep, I don't think of actually we've got a decent number of comics. Like I know a lot of comics from prep, uh, but I don't know a lot of musicians from prep. Yeah, I'm trying to think who out of our years kind of ended up get going down that road. I don't, 
not a ton. Yeah. We, I mean, I, I started playing music then and, and in a lot of ways it took me away from my friends at prep. I did have, um, some good friends there, but when I found a band that was none of the guys actually went to prep and it was kind of that thing we were just talking about. It's like you find your people yeah, and you just want to be with them. When you meet the woman that you want to spend the rest of your life with, you just want to be with her. You know, it's like, that's kind of how it all went down for me. So I, I, I had a band and we played at the teen centers and, but, uh, but prep didn't really have much to do with my, I was in plays at prep. I oh yeah, you were. Uh, okay, I was so a thespian. That was the end, the beginning, the real beginning, and the end with of my... uh, Scoville. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So you're doing all the plays and stuff. That's. A... I was my claim to fame. I look back now. I was in the Crucible senior year. I was John Proctor and uh, Justin Long. I was, saw that was Hawthorne. Justin Long. That's right. Another yeah. another prep artist who hopefully someday we'll have on the pod. Oh, uh, I hope so. Yeah, I'm pretty, he's great. I mean, his brother Damien too. Yeah, they're they're great. They're guys. Those guys are like an acting institution here in town. Yeah, I ran into Justin like years ago. It's, it's funny whenever I run into just like when I ran into you. Whenever I run into people from prep, they're always like, "Oh, I know your dad." And uh, for the most part, despite his strictness, people seem to like him. They uh, yeah, they felt favorably. Solid. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I actually I remember seeing. The Crucible. I remember because I, w- I would go even before I was at prep. Uh, my dad would bring me to like the prep plays and stuff. Okay. I remember seeing like a Midsummer Night's Dream and, and a bunch of other stuff. So I actually cool. saw you perform, although I you know can't speak to it uh, clearly, but I'm sure you were wonderful. No, I mean, if you could write a paper on it, that would be fun for all of us here. <laughs> I, I was John Proctor. That was my last play that I was ever in. Really? Yeah. And it's so, my swan song. And did you take a lot of you know your acting? the skills that you develop, you know, doing that even at a younger age, do you find that that's, you know, helped kind of build your performance and, you know, how, who you are as an artist now? Yeah, right. Well, you know, what I did take away is is that sense of when you're connecting with people, which I think as comics, you guys, you know, you oh, just yeah. know when you're connecting. And, and, and that more than anything is what I ended up craving as a musician, is that connection with with the audience, you know, and looking for it, it, whether it came from a song I was playing or a story I'm telling on stage, you know. Um, and so I do think that that, you know, I picked a little bit of that up in high school yeah. as I was going through, and, and I'm glad for that experience. Uh, and I think with all of us who are in any version of the arts, you know, you go through things and you say, why the hell did I just live through this section of my life? But I think most of the time it's because you are picking up, you're just picking up little pieces that ultimately don't need, even if they feel negative in the immediate, they don't need to be negative things. They can be things that you use for your, who you ultimately are meant to become. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, that, that connection with the audience, because obviously that is important. And, you know, having seen you, you do such an excellent job. I mean, you really foster that, not just on the stage, but, you know, just in, because I, you know, I'm recent to, to fandom of you, you know, having, I just saw you uh, perform you. once at, uh, at FTC a few months ago and it blew me away because like it, you can really, there's a palpable connection and community feeling that I notice amongst you and, and your fans. And it's, it's really incredible to see. Like I, thank you, you know, I'm kind of curious. So were there things that like, what kind of things did you pick up from acting that led into that? Cause I see how you do that. You know, and it and it seems almost more like a piece of who you are as a person 
as opposed to, you know, how you're performing. Right. Well, I mean, the goal is that you are, and, and I'm not sure how this applies exactly to comedy, but the goal is that you are who you are, that you're not really changing the essence of who you are as an artist and what your your point is, but you but you you are giving it to people in a way that makes it palatable, and, and part of that is you know in a good play there's a flow, you, you don't turn your back on the audience much, you know you're kind of presenting, you're getting them ready to take what you want to give them, you know so you're not being insincere or inauthentic, but you're but but knowing knowing what knowing how to present something in a way you know that is going to be that the audience is going to be able to receive it that's important and i think yeah. you get some of that in acting because if you sit there and you're stumbling over your lines or you're unprepared or you're you know you're saying your line but you have your back to the audience like it's unlikely that you're going to connect yeah so getting all those little messages for the eight plays that I did at prep was, <laughs> you know, that's that's good. And, and when I at, in, at the end of the day, I found it was too difficult to inhabit other people's personalities. What I feel like I'm good at is being exactly who I am. Yeah. So it, I just kind of used the performance part and distilled it into my own personality yeah, and use that in the show. That's interesting because when you are acting, you know, in a play, you, you know, you, you know, you're trying to make that connection or that point, but it's not always like your point. It's not like your voice or your message necessarily that you're trying to to push across. Right? Yeah, I don't know how. That, I, I mean, I think that's a real skill, and and I really respect it. And I sort of shudder when I think about the the, the notion of doing it again. Like, I don't yeah. think I couldn't see ever acting. I couldn't that's see it. pretending to be billy the kid or whatever the hell you know like uh, i just that seems like a crazy job yeah it's funny because I, I don't know i i always uh i'm gonna insult the whole array of uh artists out there perfect i generally don't uh, have too much respect for actors uh <laughs> <laughs> comics now actors what's well no no comics i get tired of but comics i actually have a lot of respect for but actors uh <laughs> and hear me out here uh okay. hear me out here fans um you know actors are great but any time a stand-up comic goes into acting, they immediately are excellent at it. So you take like the great stand-ups out there, and you know Steve Martin does a serious dramatic performance, amazing. Like Jim Carrey, same thing. Like Adam fucking Sandler. Like, yeah. If you have a good comic, chances are they're gonna be able to act. Yeah. Like, and not just as a comic actor. So whenever I see that happen, I'm just like, ah. Anybody can act, but now, you know, I've never acted, so it's, it's harder for me to say, and you've actually got the experience, so. Well, but, you know, I think that's a good point, and I think it goes back to, though, my sense that comics are one step below illusionist, because a musician, you go in and you play, okay? If someone doesn't like it, they're still probably going to clap, unless you're really pushing the boundaries of things, you know? Because it's it's not visceral. I mean, you guys know whether you're getting a laugh or not. And people, when they show up, most of us aren't open. We don't come in with open hearts ready to laugh. It's like, make me laugh. My life hurts. Yeah. Life hurts. This is hard. Make me laugh. And so you have this really tough job of trying to like get people to do exactly what they are resisting and if you can do that, yeah, you can act, but you could probably do a lot of other things. I mean, someone that can pull that off has got a real 
a real way. That's a, it's an incredible gift. I am so impressed. And you, Joe, have made me laugh whenever I've come to see you. I haven't seen you now in, I don't know, seven months or something like that. I'm curious to hear if, if oh, if it's all the same. It's the same. <laughs> well, all right. No, I've got, I've got, I've got some new and and personal things uh, to share. Okay. Um, and I and I hope you appreciate. It. I would definitely love to hear what you think after. Oh, dude, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I just enjoy it. I think it's, I think it's magic, man. I think you guys are magic. Well, we're, you know, we're fortunate. You know, you, you mentioned like people coming in and kind of being resistant. That's, we're very fortunate with this room in that we don't have that. Like people come in and they're like happy to be here. They're ready to go. And, uh, and it's almost always like that. It's never a situation where, you know, you're, you're struggling, um, you know, or trying to get them in. And certainly like earlier in the show, it's a little tougher. You got to warm up the crowd a little bit. Okay. Um, do you find that with uh, with music that like, you know, when you're starting a show that it takes a little while to engage or is it something where like, because I mean, you can always go out like, boom, go to like a song that everybody knows and kind of get everybody right off the start, right? I, I, well, at this point in my career, I find that it takes me a minute to engage, you know, yeah. like I'm out there and I'm kind of just getting my own sea legs for a minute um, and once you link up with the audience, then it's easy. Then my job becomes really easy. Um, but it's just making sure that I'm open hearted enough when I hit the stage to be extending my hand outward to the audience. Then if they don't take it for some reason, then that's kind of on them. Like I, I've do, we've, I've done 2000 shows in the last like 12 years. Like, that's I crazy. mean, at this point you kind of know, if I've done, if I've prepared myself, if I show up with these songs, I know that they can reach people. And I know that if I'm on stage and got an open heart, then it's really up to the audience what they want to take away from it. And and in Fairfield, in this area, I've had some of the toughest, I've had some of the best, but I've had some of the toughest shows too. There's almost like a, we knew you when, or, you know, I've had other artists describe it as entitlement. You know, I mean, there's something... Maybe because we're so close to the city, we just are immune in some ways to the spoiled. amount of entertainment that we have. Get your shit together, Fairfield. I do. I do you know, I'm not. I mean, I'm. Look, I'm happy. I, this has been a great area. I came back to raise my kids in this yeah. county, but I, but I have been disappointed at times with people kind of show up. I, I'm glad to hear you say the comedy thing is different and people are ready to. I, I feel like I felt on some shows and I've witnessed on some some big shows a sense of like entertain me show me why you're good like i don't get it because i don't see it other places in the country well you know? your last show at ftc did you feel that way because i felt no, like that was like i didn't yeah that that was awesome felt great that night that night the show before that in the area had been a nightmare to me it was my least favorite show of the tour and then i came in said my prayers to whatever i'm praying to and just kind of said okay i'm gonna go out with an open heart and that show that you came to the last time I was here was that's like heaven. It doesn't get any better yeah, than that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, okay, good. I'm yeah. glad because I was like, no, no, that's the <laughs> best. like I hope there's not like some undercurrent that I'm missing here. No, but yeah, it, it was no. amazing. And obviously, I'm like clearly have some vent. I'm like, this is a platform to vent that people from Fairfield <laughs> might actually hear. But I do wonder why people go to the warehouse and and sit at the bar and talk through the whole show. When I went and saw Matt Nathanson a couple weeks ago, he ended up just he just stopped talking to the audience. I just don't understand it. It's like who does that? Yeah. You know, why? It's a, yeah, engage. It's live music. Like, get in there, be a part of it. Yeah, sit down, be quiet. It's like you would do with any other conversation. When when it's a quiet moment, you don't keep talking. I well, mean, someone's you, talking to you. You don't talk while they're talking. You listen. Do you, you attribute know? that to the, the venues at all? 
could be the venues. Because um, I, I, I mean, I'll just yeah. be like one example. Like I did a show uh, years ago at, uh, I don't know if you ever went to Joker's Wild, but it used to be a comedy club in New Haven called Joker's Wild. It's no a great name. No longer open. Uh, and the way it was set up was troublesome in that, you know, it's a long room and the stage, you know, is on one side of the room and the, you know, crowd goes off left and right. Uh, but then kind of directly in front of the stage, you know, past like a few rows of the crowd uh, is a back area with the bar. And people are at the bar and they're they're talking and they're not paying attention to the show. Yeah. And and it's like the staff at the bar is a part of it. Yeah. And, you know, so I was like, this is terrible. But like it's, it's ki- that's kind of on the venue. Um, sure. Well, it's because it's what do you want to be about? Like, do you are you going to be you can't be all these things. Obviously, everybody has to make a living. But if you want to open a bar, open a bar. Yeah. If you want to open a comedy club, create an environment where comics jokes can be heard. I know I don't subscribe to the sense that you need to break through the madness to try to like if your music's good, people will be quiet. Like, nah, I don't no, think you so. need somebody to engage. right? You the need a situation where it's important to you. You know, you can't it can't it can't be OK to talk at the bar, it needs yeah. to be like, hey, this is a this is an environment where people listen or where people come. If you know, people don't have to laugh at a comic's jokes, but I think that we all need to show each other some baseline respect. And and you know, otherwise, just go do something else. Like I don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I have a. This is obviously a frustration. And oh yeah. Well, you know, I'll be honest. I uh, there was one time I uh, and I, I'm I'm guilty of this myself. I remember one show I went to see the Alternate Roots in New York years ago and uh and i i was talking with a, a friend during the show and afterwards eric like reamed me the fuck out did he yeah he did good for and him i deserved it and yeah, uh that's and cool. i've and i'm like i'm obviously still carrying it with me today um well forgive yourself but that's cool that he said something because he never says anything he's no like, i know he's you gotta so really his threshold really, is high i know i know one time I need him in the balls too. He doesn't shut up about that either. Beca- because of w- w- was this when you were younger or is this recently? <laughs> oh yeah, it was fourth grade. Yeah. Well, you know, we were very cruel to each other when we were younger. My best friend in fourth grade, I I did some nonsense. I, yeah, yeah, I did some stuff too. I've I've forgiven myself for the balls thing, but I I still carry the, uh, the forgive talking yourself the for show. the talking thing too. I mean, we all like I I was talking during a Daniel Lenoir show and someone shushed me and it's like. And I was wrong, so I was yeah. like, "Okay, I'll shut up." I wasn't enjoying the show, but that's still—it's like, well, so I could have gone downstairs, or you know, because yeah. what happens is you're ruining it for ev- it sets a it's seed of discord you, yeah. for mm-hmm. everybody. Agreed. You know? Agreed. And uh, yeah, I well, don't know, Stephen. I, yeah, I'm I'm glad you're here. I would love to do this again with you because it's just yep. it's always fun to see you. Yeah, uh, we don't even too. have to do this. Like, let's just go get a glass of wine yeah. or something but uh before i let you go i got one question for yes. you as you look back on your career if you had to choose like one decision you made one thing that you did that's like led to the most success or was like the best decision that you made what what do you think that would be it's a really it's a thoughtful question and uh it seems thoughtful but i ask it a lot no, so really it, it's just it cookie cutter I, I think the thing that comes to mind first is i said yes i said yes a lot I said yes when it didn't make any sense on paper. You say, I want to be a musician. And someone says, okay, well, you're going to have to miss your half-brother's wedding, and you're going to get paid $50, and you're going to have to drive 500 miles, and you get to play for 25 minutes. And I'm like, yes. You know? Yeah. And you deal with all the fallout. And, okay, you so you just got married, but you also just got your first tour, and that's going to take you away for three weeks. Yes. 
Yeah. I'm going to go do this. You know, you're going to do a tour. This this won't make you any money, but it might make you some fans. Yes. You just So your advice is to be a, a bad friend and husband? <laughs> <laughs> no, my advice is to try very hard to be a good <laughs> one of those, but to say yes. If you say you want to do this, if that's what you're putting out in the world, like you got to you, you just got to say yes a lot. And yeah. it, and it doesn't always make sense, but if you're if that little gut thing inside you says that you should that you want to do it, don't make excuses why you don't say yes. Just take a shot. You yeah. know. Well, that 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 is some great advice, uh, Stephen. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I'm honored, man. Let's I can't wait for the show tonight. This yeah, gonna we're gonna have great. a blast. Yeah. Let's go do it. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Well, thanks, man. Thanks, Joe. Peace. Bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the It's a Hustle podcast. If you enjoyed the listen, please give us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Uh, special thanks to Eric Donnelly of the Alternate Roots for our amazing theme song, to Brendan Ruane at Light Switch Advisor for our website and social media needs. Check him out if you need any help in those areas. And, of course, to Vans, who provide all of our footwear. Have a good one.